Hey, welcome to Lakeview Sermon of the Week. We're so grateful to have you here, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. Oh, man, thank you, Lord. Good to see everybody tonight. I love to, I love Wednesday nights. I don't know. I just like them. I just like Wednesday nights. Um, how's everybody? Is everybody okay? Uh, we need to pray against sickness. So much sickness going around right now. Uh, flu and different things. Why don't we just do that right now? Let's just pray. Pray against sickness. We've got holidays coming up. We need people well enjoying what God wants to do amongst their families. Let's just just help me pray. God, we just... God, we just pray right now, God, that you would just raise up a standard against flu and stomach viruses, COVID. God, we just, we're foolish enough to believe that you're going to hear our prayers and do something about it, God. So, God, you'll get all the glory for it. But, Lord, we ask that you would just touch every family, God, that you would touch everyone in this room, God. God, that you would just bring healing, God, to those who are at home sick. God, we pray a special covering over our babies, God. Over our children, those in the nursery, God, we just pray that you would just protect and keep. And we just love you for it, God, that you are the God who heals. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Whew. Okay, um, well, let's get into it. And uh, I won't take too long. Um, we're going to be in Genesis 15. And we are in our Names of God series. Um, first week, we went over the, the name that God introduces himself in Genesis chapter 1. It's Elohim, uh, which basically means a spiritual being. Other angels and other things are called Elohim, but they're Elohim, small e, that God is saying he's introducing himself as the creator. He's introducing himself as the one who creates it all and the one who is above everything else that is spiritual. In that realm. And we also get some clues in there that he is the God who's not just creating and above the spiritual realm, but he's willing to bend a knee and get in the dirt and form man. So that not only is he high and lifted up in this spiritual realm, but he's willing to come down and get his hands dirty to mold and shape and create and to sustain. So so we got Elohim and then Last week we covered El Shaddai, and this was a name uh, revealed to Abraham. And Abraham, El Shaddai, it's usually translated in the scriptures, um, uh, the Lord Almighty. And so the picture there, the word picture of El Shaddai is the God of the mountain. So he's the God of the mountain who is strong and powerful, but that same word, Shaddai, is also translated as breast and song of songs in different places. So not only is it mountain, it also means breast. So it means that the Lord is powerful and he's strong. But not only is he powerful and strong, he's nurturing and he's, he's soft and he's able to comfort and bring these two realities. And so he reveals that to Abraham. And Abraham's kind of freaked out about his life and how is he going to walk out this covenant and God says, I'm El Shaddai. And, and so Abraham gets a new name revealed of God. And so Abraham gets another name. And this name this week is going to be Adonai. Um, you guys have probably heard it. 
uh, Adonai, it's translated usually in scripture as big L and then a small O-R-D. Usually that's how translators do it. There was a translation to where it actually puts the actual name of the Lord that's in there. I think it's the New Living Translation. Somebody showed me yesterday um, that the New Living Translation actually puts Jehovah when it's Jehovah, Elohim when it's Elohim, and, and different things. I think that was the translation shown to me. But I think that's a great idea because once you learn the names of God, you see how he's addressing and the different nuances that he's addressing uh, in that time instead of just reading Lord or something like that. So, so Genesis 15 is, a, uh, is, is Adonai. And Adon, which means Lord or Master or Ruler, is what it means. Um, anytime it's talking about men, it's, it's in the singular. It's Adon. But anytime it's talking about the Lord, it's in the plural, Adonai. So there's a plurality that would add a punch to it to let us know when it's talking about the Lord and when it's not. Now, here's what's cool about this because, you know, the, the Jewish mind was really struggling with a Messiah that was in the flesh. Struggling with that idea. Because the Shema, Deuteronomy 6.4, which is the Lord is one and he is none is like him. Is this idea of this kind of monotheistic reality. So they couldn't put their, wrap their head around how the Messiah could be fully man and fully God. So um, Jesus is being approached in a way where his, his authority is being questioned. And they start bringing up David. Of how can someone be greater than David if he's a son of David? And so Jesus picks a psalm that David wrote in Psalm 110. And the psalm that David wrote says this, My Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. So now remember, anytime men are being addressed. I think we have that slide, Brian. If I hope we got it. Psalm 110. Oh, there it is. Here's the Lord's proclamation to, the, to my Lord. But sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So it's the Lord's proclamation to my Lord. Or it says in some translations, the Lord said to my Lord. Now the first Lord there in that sentence is Jehovah. So it is, Jehovah says or proclaims to my Adonai. So it's like God says to God. So in order to make his case, Jesus says, well, what was David doing when he used God said to my God? So, he's, so this is why the nuances of names are. So this is Jesus' argument back to them that just baffled them. Because David gets into the throne and says, My Lord said to my Lord, until I make my enemies a footstool, until I ascend to the, to the highest of God, they knew David hadn't ascended or he wouldn't call himself Adonai. So David was talking about somebody greater than him that would come from him. And Jesus is saying, I'm that one. Okay, So really cool connection here um, that we see in this, in this plurality. In Acts chapter 2, um, it continues to be appealed. Uh, Hebrews has an, uh, has an appeal to this too. Acts chapter 2, verse 34 and 35, um, if we got that. Yeah, for David did not ascend to heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies 
a footstool for your feet. So it begins to become the theme of Scripture to where they solidify the deity of Jesus. And Adonai is what, uh, if we could fast forward to the, we're not going to fast forward too much because we need to get it where it first came out, which is Genesis 15. But this becomes the understanding of how Jesus is fully God and fully, uh, fully man was this reality of this Adonai is we have Jehovah, and then we have Adonai, and they're mentioned in the same, same uh, sentence. There's also this other reality that, that continues out throughout the New Testament, and I think it's 1 Timothy. I don't think I have these scriptures, but 1 Timothy, I think it's 6.15. You guys have heard this. Jesus is the Lord of... Lord? Everybody knows that, right? Okay. We're in a Christian church here, okay. The Lord of... And the king of? Okay, yeah, you've heard that, right? Okay, yes. Well, if you haven't, he's the Lord of lords, and he's the king of kings. Okay, fresh revelation here tonight. It's fresh. Oh, okay. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, whoa. Oh, man, mind-blowing, right? Um, but this is the reality here, right, is that the Lord, he's the Lord, he's the Adonai, of Adonis. So the idea here is that he is the Lord of every other Lord, right? He is the king over every other king. And so there's a, a bit of ownership that's tied to this name. It would be like, I'm the Lord of lords. I'm the king of kings. So we always think of it as the earthly evil lords, right? He's the king over the earthly evil lords. And he's the king over the earthly evil kings. But the Bible tells us that he's making a kingdom of kings and priests. So think of it this way. He's the king of kings. He's the lord of lords. That he's, it's not just that he's, high and lifted up and high and lofty and powerful. He is all that. But he's also the best king there ever was, the best Lord there ever was. So it's not just in power, it's also in quality. So he's saying, I'm the Lord that can't even be compared to the other lords. I'm the king who can't even be compared to the other kings. And I own it all. It's all mine. And this is the struggle that we have following the Lord, right? It's because there's things we don't want the Lord touching. God, that's mine. And you can't have it. But the Lord is like, okay, let's see how you do with it. And let me know when you want me to get involved and you want me to be Lord over that thing. Hello. Have anybody had some time where you were Lord of your life? Did it go real well for you? The areas that you're failing in, I feel the Holy Ghost, the areas you're failing in are the areas you've not let God be God. It's period. Can I say that? Period. Exclamations. What are we even talking about? I don't even know. Okay, yeah. Lord of Lords. So... We're going to see the first mention of this. Where did Adonai first fall from the lips of God? 
into the first hearers. Um, who was the first to say it back to God? Ooh, come on. So this gives us some context of how it builds. So we kind of flash, fast forward to New Testament stuff, but, but Jesus appealed to this name as well. But let's back up. Let's go back to Abe. Oh, Abram. Uh, Genesis 15, verse 1. This is where it first comes forth. And now Abraham, just to give you a little background, he had just been to a war. Okay? Now, how many of you know Abraham wasn't a great general? Well, he's Abram at this time. He wasn't a great general, but he was, in a sense, a lord. He had over his care, hundreds of people. And as he followed the Lord, the Lord kept blessing and increasing what he was stewarding. Okay? And so as he followed the Lord, and the Lord is increasing his territory, he becomes, in a sense, a Lord. And so his nephew gets kidnapped, and he goes and fights in a battle with 318 of his men into battle, with no battle experience. Um, but I can tell you, when God's on you, a man with a promise in his heart is greater than a man with a weapon in his hand. Come on. So Abram, with a promise in his heart, in old age, hear me. He's got the walker with tennis balls. <laughs> he's so blessed, he's got he's to fight backwards. Hey, turn that plow into a sword. I got to go fight. Uh, turn that pruning hook because I'm so blessed into something that I can fight with. I've never had to fight before. And so he goes into battle and he gets Lot and he gets the spoils uh, from Sodom. And then he goes back and finds this mysterious figure that the Bible really doesn't give us much at, as Melchizedek, which is the king of Salem. And he goes there and he pays tithes. You know he was holy because this guy was paying tithes. Come on now. I knew I wouldn't get no amens there, you sinner, bunch of sinners. No, I'm just kidding. But he pays tithes to, to Melchizedek. Now watch this. Whenever you paid tithes and you gave a tenth of your field or your produce or however it is, for us it's money because that's the economy that we operate in. Whenever you gave a tenth, even though it was a portion, the whole field or the whole crop became the Lord's. So he tithes a tenth out of the spoils from Sodom. So instantly, Sodom becomes something of a consideration of God. And when God goes to destroy Sodom, guess who he tells before he does it? Did he say, I'm going to destroy Gomorrah, so I better tell Abe? That because he had given tithes from Sodom, he took it up with Abraham and let Abraham know what he was doing. Because since the tenth was given, Sodom became God's. Yeah, pretty crazy. 
Well, we know how that went, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, I should have whittled him down maybe a little bit more than 10, but I think he was yeah, sorely disappointed by the righteousness of that city. But uh, So, yeah, so Abraham gets out of the gets out of the war that he's fought and he knows hey 318 plow boys that ain't ever seen no battle and they come out without one person out one casualty and whoop these other armies that they were fighting come on he knew that was God so God meets him in this place when he comes back from this battle and this is what we're reading here Genesis chapter 1 and this is incredible so the Anytime God introduces his name at the first, the rest of the chapter will unfold what that means or or the nuances of that name. You'll you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, Verse 1, after these things, the Lord's message came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield and the one who will reward you in great abundance so notice two realities here okay a shield and a reward okay so what's he's revealing something to us as he's as abraham's about to announce this name back to god and and call god this name that would mean uh you're not only my protector but you're also the one who's rewarding and blessing me okay So he speaks back to him, verse 2, but Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what will you give me since I continue to be childless and my heir is Eleazar of Damascus? So here's where he says the name, verse 2. Abram said, O sovereign Lord, or we're just going to say it the way it was, Adonai. Adonai, what will you give me? So as God reveals to him who he is, his shield, And the one who would have blessed him, he speaks the name back to him and then says, well, what will you give me? Which would point to this reality. He actually believed God was who he said he was. Okay. Now, here's the issue that we get with God is that when we we hear the Lord, there's a proclivity in ourselves to be self-sufficient and to do our own thing. Right. We don't want nobody in our business. We don't want nobody knowing our stuff. We, you know, we'll slip around, hide around, do all this kind of stuff. and we, we ain't none of your business what I'm trying to do. It's, especially in America, there's this individualistic attitude of, of, I've got this and I don't need anything and just stay out of my way and stay out of my business. Um, and I think it manifests worse in Texans. Texans are the most, they are those people. Is there any Texans here? Oh, I'm just kidding. I was just playing. It's just making sure. Uh, yeah, if you want to know if somebody's from Texas, just stay around them for like three seconds. They're going to tell you they're from Texas, and they ain't bowing to nobody. It's kind of, the, it's kind of, this, it's kind of this independent, rigorous kind of thing that would, that would put. But, but it's in the fabric of American society, right? Like, like, like we're individualistic. So when we hear like the Lord is our shield, like sometimes we hear, oh, the Lord's just blocking the things that I really want in my life. And God says, dude, look, I'm not trying to block good things from you. What's wrong with you? 
I'm a shield. I'm trying to protect the fiery darts from the enemy that you're lax about. And I'm going to sit here and put up a shield and protect you if you'll stay under my covering and be with me. And not only will I protect you, if you stay within that protection and you listen to me and you let me rule your life, I'll not only protect you, but I'll begin to pour my blessings out on your life. And you'll begin to not only have a shield, but you'll also be so blessed under the covering of God that you'll forget about the things that was you thought he was blocking you from. So this is Adonai. The shield. He's not blocking you. He's trying to save you. Man, you better run things by him. Better run things by him before you get headlong into some junk. He's your Adonai. It's your shield and your blesser. So this is Abraham says, whoa, okay. Adonai, then what will you give me? Because I continue to be childless here. And my heir is Eleazar of Damascus. Now this is kind of a cool little twist because Eleazar was like his servant. And so there was something special about being under the covering of an Adon, like Abraham was. Abraham was a lord. He was an Adon. He wasn't Adonai. That's only God. But he was a lord over some stuff. But if you were the head servant, then you were going to get everything that was God's. You are going to get everything that was Abraham's. So we got this kind of American chattel slavery that was just evil and just, ugh, it was just... What a black eye in our history. But this thing, if you were a bondservant in this thing, the Lord, you would get the stuff if he didn't have any siblings. Or not siblings, uh, children. So Eleazar is set up as a servant to receive everything that was the sons. Track with me here. So... Oh, man, is it time? Somebody's alarm went off. Okay. Hey, I'm wrapping it up right here. Here we go. Mm, man. Thank you, Lord. Uh, so, so here's the picture. Now, here's what's beautiful about this Eleazar character. If I'm set up to take over everything Abraham has, if he doesn't have a, a child... What do you think I'm rooting for? But that's not Eleazar's heart. Eleazar's heart is to serve Abram and to see to it that Abram has someone to hand his possessions to. So much so in Genesis 24, we're fast forwarding here, but we're not going to read there, that when Isaac is finally born... Guess who goes and gets Isaac a wife? Eleazar. And he worships when they find it. That the servant, get this, this is our role, that the servant's greatest joy is to make sure the Lord has a bride.
So how do you think Paul addresses himself in, in his letters in Romans and Philippians? How James addresses himself? How, how um, Jude addresses himself, which is Jesus' brother? You know how he addresses himself? Because he's only concerned about the son getting a bride. So there's this multifaceted relationship that God is doing that where we, we, we don't abdicate our sonship, but we understand our sonship is also servitude. And we get more committed to making sure the son has a bride than we do us have our blessing. Now that's Adonai. The Lord of Lords. God, I'll serve you because you're the best Lord around. My whole life's dedicated to you, Lord, because you are Adonai. I'm an Adon, but you're Adonai. And I'm going to make sure you get your bride. It's when we lay down our rights. And say, God, I, I just want to serve you. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just want to serve you. So it's multifaceted here because Eliezer is set up to be an heir. So here we have a servant that's an heir. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Do you see it? It's like a role here. Verse 4, but look, the Lord's message came to him. This man will not be your heir. But instead, a son who comes from your own body will be your heir. And the Lord took him outside and said, Gaze into the sky and count the stars if you are able to count them. Has anybody ever tried that? And we even got some light pollution. They didn't even have that. They was, he's probably like, one, two, three. He had his shoes off. He got to 20 and was like, oh, man, I just, I don't know. counted his toe. Okay, just forget it. But God would pull him outside of himself and say, check out what I'm doing in your life. Saying, I'm Adonai. Don't start counting your children. Count the stars because I'm doing something bigger than what you even know in your, in your life. That's what I'm doing. He's trying to count his kids. Zero. <laughs> Is zero a number? I don't know. Whole placeholder, but it's really not a number. Well, is it? I don't know. Somebody help me. But he's got zero, and God's saying, quit looking within yourself and what you see and start looking up, and this is what I'm actually doing. And Abraham was probably scratching his head. It's like, boy, I better get to work if I'm going to have that many. God, dog. And then here we are in Hot Springs, Arkansas, thousands of years later, talking about this man right here who thought he was just in the middle of a desert looking at the sky. No small things with him. No small obedience with him. All Abraham did was go. Okay. Because here's the deal. It's not perfection, it's direction. Yeah. It's not perfection, it's direction. Which way are you going, man? Yeah. 
So I dare you tonight, just step outside of the star. Just step outside of your tent, <laughs> your home, your place, and just look up, get in a dark enough place, and just ask God, God, what are you doing in my life that's bigger than what I can even see, think, imagine? And uh, I think he'll speak to you. So he says, this is what your descendants will be. we got to hurry. Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord credited it to him as righteousness. So let's read that again. And Abraham did a bunch of stuff and really flexed his muscles and impressed God. And God said, you must be righteous. Uh, no, Abraham believed the Lord. <laughs> and the Lord credited it as righteousness. Ooh, come on. I think I'm going to start believing more. Yeah. Verse 7. The Lord said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans. I give you this land to possess. But Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, by what can I know that I'm going to possess it? There again, Adonai. Adonai, what can I do to know that I'm to possess it? He's appealing to this shield and blesser. The Lord said to him, Oh, get this. This gets really crazy and weird. Take for me a heifer and a goat and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Now get this. God's really, God's setting him up. So Abram took all these and then cut them in two and placed each side opposite each other, but he did not cut the birds in half. Oh, thank you for that little note there, author. That, that was helpful there. We know he's a, you know, a very uh, mild man to say, oh, the birds, let's leave those just out there. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now, how they would cut covenant in the Old Testament, uh, especially in this patriarchal period, is they would take animals and they would split them, uh, not this way, but like uh, asymmetrically, or symmetrically, yeah, this way, symmetrically, and they would lay the two halves over. And then you would come into covenant with somebody and y'all would walk in between the pieces making a figure eight, and you would renounce what the covenant was to each other. And you were basically saying, if I don't hold up my end of the covenant, that's what's going to happen to me. So Abe's got the animals split open, and he's ready. <laughs> Where are you at? I'm going to drive the birds off. And so he's keeping the birds off. All right, God, whatever you show up, we're going to do a figure eight thing here. We're going to do -si do around these dead animals. And he's running the birds off. He's running the birds off. And then... Look what God does to him. And when the sun went down, Abram fell sound asleep. <laughs> Abe. And a great terror overwhelmed him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain. Mind you, he's sleeping. Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign country. They will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. He's pointing to Egyptian slavery, which Joseph would kind of get the family down there. But I will execute judgment on the nation they will serve. Afterward, they will come out with many possessions. Notice he's speaking way into his future here. Isn't that cool? He's like, dude, you're worried about now, dude. I'm telling you about way on down. Verse 15, but as for you, you will go on to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will return here. 
for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its limit. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, get this, a smoking fire pot with a flaming torch passed between the animal parts. That day the Lord made a covenant with Abram. To your descendants I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates River, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephidites. I mean, there's just ites. If it's an ite, he's given it to you, Abraham. But here's what I need you to do, Abe. Sleep. Get out of my way. You lay down, and I'm going to pass through these pieces myself. Because it's not going to be your faithfulness that's going to bring about Adonai's blessing. It's going to be me because I'm going to swear on my name, Adonai, that I'm going to make this thing come to plat. All I need you to do is sleep and get out of the way. And some of us are trying to go through the parts with God and convince Him we're going to do the right thing. Would you just... You ever done that? God, I'll never do that again. It's like, ooh. (laughs) It's like, dude, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Quit with the the long list of promises you're going to do for God. Just stop. When God needs a bride, you know what he'll do? Put a man to sleep. That when God shows up as Adonai in our life, he wants us to watch him pass through the pieces. And he swears by no name other than himself because there's no other name that's greater than himself. So he swears by himself. So we get to find out this Adonai reality is Abram, I'll be your shield and protect you. But I'm also going to bless you. And it's not going to be your perfection. It's going to be your direction. Now get this. Okay, this is from the Holy Ghost. Okay? Some of you are fighting battles that aren't standing between you and your destiny. And if a battle is not standing between you and your destiny, it's a distraction. Some of you are over here fighting battles and your destiny's out here. And the devil's rejoicing that you're wasting your energy fighting things that aren't yours. That God in this season, as he reveals himself as Adonai, says, I just need you to rest and keep an ear out to hear what I'm doing and just partner with me for what I'm doing in your life. All right. We better close here. Um, oh, I've got so much more. Oh, well, we've got to stop. Hebrews eleven six. I love this scripture. But this is the duality what I'm talking about. Is you've got to get that God is trying to hold something good from you out of your mind. And you've got to start seeing God's no as the biggest blessing you could ever get in your life. You've got to. Otherwise, you'll think he's blocking you instead of protecting you. Okay? 
Hebrews 11.6, check this out. Now, without faith, it is possible to please God. Is that what it says? Oh, impossible. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. So what does that mean? Um, I can't please him unless I believe him past what I'm seeing. Okay, I got to go. Now faith is impossible to please him. Without faith it's possible to please him. For the one who approaches God must believe that he exists or is. And that what? That just as important as it is for you to believe in God, it's just as important as you believe that he's going to reward you if you keep following him and being with him. And some of us got the first part right. Yeah, man, I believe in God. I don't think he can really reward me. And when that doubt starts to slip in, you lose that he's good. You lose that he's wise. You lose that he's got your best interest. And then you undo the other reality and you quit obeying him altogether. God would say, I love that you believe that I am. But as real as that is, I'm also the one who rewards those who will diligently seek me. It's like God gets as much pleasure as you believe in he's a rewarder as he does that you believe that he is. So this is Adonai, the God that is and that blesses. The shield and the blesser. <laughs> it's like, wow. He's got like a shield in his left hand and blessings in his right and so while you're behind the shield and you can't see don't worry you ain't missing nothing out there you just stay behind the shield where the other hand is and you just keep letting him give you the good things of God yeah yeah amen yep we better pray God we thank you for such patient people and a patient wife that's teaching kids a Christmas musical. Thank you, God, for that. And, God, we just pray that you would illuminate a new, uh, a new revelation of Adonai. Is that you're the Lord of Lords. Not just like you're the most in charge Lord, but you're the best Lord there is. It's not just possession. It's that we're owned by the best. servants are heirs <laughs> and we're not just servants we're sons sons and servants kings priests a king comes from a royal line a priest comes from a royal servant so God we are in this with you and so, God, we just are going to just sit away, and we're going to sit down, and we're going to let you pass through the pieces and tell us about our life. And we're going to quit telling you what you should be doing in our life. God, you do the figure eight between the sacrifices, and we're content to watch and listen and believe your faithfulness and not our own. God, pass through those pieces as a smoking torch. God, speak to us again about the good things of God.
God, you're not just God. You're the rewarder of those who diligently seek you. God, you are good. And you are for us. So God, we throw off any bad mindsets, any things that that we projected onto you because we didn't get what we wanted, so we're upset because you... God's saying, that's a distraction. That's why I didn't give you that. Get off the roller coaster. Get over here and get into my tent. Get in my camp. Get in my kingdom. Get behind my shield. And I'll protect you and I'll bless you. So, Lord, we just position ourselves behind the shield. It's not blocking, it's protecting. We love you. We love you. You're our Adonai, our Lord, our Master, our King. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Love you guys. Man, yeah. We'll see you Sunday, and I uh, hope you guys have a great time. Love you. Thanks for tuning in. Our hope is that these messages will help you on your journey of discovering who Christ is and who you are in Him. You can learn more about our ministry at lvahs.org or follow us on Instagram at lakeview.hs.